You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Podcast 278, Land and Legacy. Here we are. Here we are. And the reason we're starting to throw the numbers out there at the beginning, guys and gals, is because when you send us a message on Instagram or Facebook or an email at info at landandlegacy.tv and you're referencing a podcast because of the way that we send it. Now, we were we were doing podcasts, what, eight months before we went to the nation? Yeah, before we went to Sportsman's Nation. So we were l- numbering them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And now Dan has so many people, so many other podcasts on the nation that we're like number, you know, it could be 500 or 700, and we don't even know, and we just stick to our normal numbers. 278 podcast, and so if you're wanting to reference one, it helps us say, okay, just go to the beginning of the podcast, tell us what number, so we know which one you're talking about. So it's December. What is is today's date? This is going to release on on, uh, the 8th, so December 8th, 2020, podcast 278. We're going to circle back and kind of answer some questions that we got after last week's podcast. Um, betting thickets on the betting thickets and sanctuaries, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which seemed to, a lot of you guys really liked. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a lot of great feedback on that. And uh, so we did ask follow-up questions that we thought were important to reiterate or, or cover for everyone to hear because um, – you know, it was kind of like common, oh, yeah, that's a really good point that we didn't address, so let's address it. Well, and that and when 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 we're talking about just sanctuaries, I think that's one of the most um, talked about, asked about aspects of owning a property and trying to keep things secure on a, on, on a farm. Yeah. You know, you know people like – there's just so many questions, elements, um, ways to create them – manage them, manipulate them, whatever, around secure sanctuaries. And everyone finds themselves in, in different portions of the country, regions, and um, I, I think it brings up a lot of great questions. So we're yep. totally fine with spending extra time, more time to address those questions on one of the most, I think, important aspects of farms. For sure. Um, before we jump in, though, we want to thank one of our partners that make this podcast possible. And Christmas is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a great Christmas idea if you're looking for some last-minute, um, just last-minute ideas. Ideas. Christmas, I'm trying to type. And if you, if anyone knows me personally, knows I can't multitask. So as I'm trying to type... Uh, just the words sure. just don't come out. Yeah, they don't come out because it's like, <laughs> hold on, hold on, let me think about this for a second. But um, I'm sitting here drinking a cup of coffee right now. Niangua Coffee helps make it possible. Good friends, great people, 
super fresh. If you order, I, I forget the scenario, but if like you order it's on like Monday, blended like on a Tuesday, it's shipped. blended and roasted yeah. on Tuesday, so you get it Thursday, so like two days after roasting, so it's super fresh, and that's Niangua Coffee, N I A N G U A C O F F E E Coffee, NiangaCoffee.com. And it's subscription-based, so it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving throughout a year. That's right. It's the gift that keeps on giving all year. All year. That's right. So <sighs> check them Sanch. out. Great. they got some awesome hats and apparel as well. Yeah. I yeah. think – I don't know if they're running it right now. Yeah, Black Friday coffee gift set. They still have some deals on there. Um, you guys can go check them out. And uh, get yourself some brew. Tell Nate we sent you. All right. Um, Sanctuaries. Man. Sanctuaries, thickets. betting tickets. I'm gonna. Well, I, I yeah, was gonna cover some stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's middle of December. I find this funny. People ask, and they're like, um, "I just had this conversation with one of our clients just two days ago." He's like, "What are you doing? You been hunting any? Why don't you come up here?" He's like, come, "He invited me up northern Missouri. Why don't you come up here and hunt with me?" Yeah, I'm like, you know, with all due respect. And all the wonderful things you have going on, I don't want to. And he's like, oh, okay, what, what do you mean by that? And I was like, you know all that fun stuff you're doing on your farm during the year, during the, you know, the typical God, I time? I play catch-up. I'm playing catch-up because <laughs> yeah. I'm always on your farms, and I'm not on my own farm. So I do a lot of the work uh, and and try to do different things on my own farm during hunting season. So, like, Chad and I ran a chainsaw yesterday on uh, on one of the ridges, kind of doing a glade restoration area. It's like, I could go to northern Missouri and shoot a bunch of does, or I could stay down here and actually get some work done. I'm going to do that. Um, <laughs> because, you know, we're, I, we're booked right now. We've got consults almost every week from January till April right now. And uh, it seems like... It's going to be another winter and early spring of very little time on our own on our own places because it's, it's you know, going to be a lot of a lot of fun traveling. We're going and we're going to a lot of cool places. Yeah, we've too. got some newer regions. Yeah, um, I think uh, you know I, the list is you can name a state and there's a chance we're going to be there or close by in 2021 so. uh but like we've got Louisiana on the books we've got uh New York Texas Texas Pennsylvania um honestly let's go right Maryland North Carolina South Carolina Georgia Virginia's on the like on the burner right now where yes. there's some stuff going yes. on there Indiana yep uh Illinois Illinois Michigan potentially Iowa obviously yep uh, Kansas of course Missouri oh yeah Texas Mississippi. Have we got anything Alabama, Alabama, Mississippi? We have work in Mississippi, not okay. Alabama yet. Did we say Tennessee? Work in Tennessee. No. Um, Minnesota, Kentucky? possibly. Minnesota, possibly North Dakota. Are you taking a hazmat <coughs> suit? <laughs> I think I need to. And a passport. Uh, and uh, a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Going through Minneapolis is yeah. going to be our own police. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. yeah. No, it, it we're 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 flat covering some territory. Oklahoma as well. Um, but but <laughs> probably take an AR rather than a pistol. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> it's it's gonna be a lot of fun, and I'm I'm always excited. Like this is the kind of the, let's say the time of the year where, and we'll hear from another um, client success, you know, on the other podcast this week. But where we get into people who have implemented projects on their farm that we've always already visited with and then they have their success and that's always fun to listen to and them share their experiences but then the other aspects of the podcast I really enjoy is going and talking about like the stuff that we're seeing on a daily basis wherever we've been to wherever the yeah. you know life has taken us where the farms are because I don't there, there there's nothing that even though we've been to these regions before, each property, each each aspect of a property is completely different. It's its own its own puzzle, and and it's about um, you know sharing that with you guys of how we're going to create this or fix this puzzle and 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 connect it all. Um, but there's always something fresh and new to cover and talk about yeah. stuff that we've seen or 
new techniques that need to be applied here in this manner and why they wouldn't be applied that way, even though you hear us talk about them commonly applied this way, but they're in a different situation or well, a different region. Even if you look at even if you look at my uh, my family farm and the Prairie Hollow property, neighboring properties, but my family farm, you can be looking at uh, mostly upland sites. Yeah. Not a whole lot of lowland riparian area. No. You go over to the Prairie Hollow property, you could be dealing with riparian area problems. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and that's just, you know, a grand total of, you know, a 600-acre area. And now why couldn't – why isn't there a difference? Why couldn't we do <laughs> 10 podcasts on this site and 10 podcasts on this property and they touch each other? Because the the list is endless. Like, we always have content to cover. And, you know, we don't live and breathe hunting. Now, hunting is a is an awesome, important part of what we do. And I think well, at we, the root of it, 90% of the people that hire us are, are – the the goal is I'd rather have I want really good hunting but I also want a healthy ecosystem. For us, it's we live and breathe habitat and land. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, you know, if they've listened to this podcast much, they know that we're on the road a lot and we're seeing a lot of places, we're talking a lot of habitat, and we don't really get to talk hunting a good bit because Tom. not that we don't want to talk hunting. But most of our audience want to hear about habitat and land, so here we are. Because that that is what makes the hunting good. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's like let's go foundationally, because we all we all want this. Let's say hunting is on this pedestal and there's light shining on it. We all want like really good hunting, right? Yeah. But we all know too. It, it's boiled down to quality habitat or not. If if it's there, they're gonna have it. If you if it's not, then maybe you will, or it's year to year, or you're just always frustrated with it. Yep. It comes down just to good habitat. So let's focus on what really will create that that quality hunting, because Lord knows there's a lot of places to, not that we don't cover it, but you can hear about hunting 365 from thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. this is this is scientific boots on the ground approaches to managing manipulating the habitat to create that better hunting and do it in a way that is respectful to the land itself and the way that it would just naturally want to progress or or operate in that system and that's given us some really good results in other people too uh, yeah I, you know we talk habitat so much and it's not to say we don't want to you know I would love to start hunt September 15th and hunt my hind in off all the way through life doesn't allow that um for me personally but um you know it's just we got a whole long list of clients who can prove that 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 what we're doing is and what we're having them do is very successful and shoot it was successful for us even this year oh yeah and uh even though we didn't hunt a whole lot and so uh you know it's exciting i love this time of year uh, of getting clients on and talk about success. Last week we had Louie on. A couple weeks before that we had a couple other. Greg was on. Greg was on. Um, and I'm, uh, my apologies to the other clients that I know we've had on to talk about their success that I can't even. I know we had Russell from South Carolina on. Yep. Um, and we're going to have Will on this week uh, from Pennsylvania. So, it, there's all kinds of success that's being had by our clients, and uh, it's it's fun. And you know, going back to yesterday, Chad and I've got a about a three and a half acre glade uh, restoration. glade restoration that we've got to do, and uh, that we're going to do. And we ran a saw for a good four and a half hours, and I'm feeling it today. I've been cooped up this this fall, um, and running so a chainsaw for four hours shape? isn't the same as carrying around a 18 month old or almost uh, she'll be shoot she'll be two this week she'll be two the day this so happy birthday my claire yeah and uh um oh i kind of hit me full force where i was going to the last one of the last hunts i had where i shot that buck on the farm to run in the saw not to say anything about i don't appreciate hunting like i used to i still appreciate hunting a tremendous amount, and, I, and a, it's a wonderful battery recharger for me. But I felt running that saw where I was like, <sighs> I think I look forward to running the saw and improving habitat more days out of the year than I do 
hunting. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I think a lot of people are like, yep, mm-hmm, I feel that too. Well, one. Well, then there's I, a lot of guys that think we're. We're crazy. We're yeah, crazy, yeah. nuttier than a to, to squirrel me, poop. You look at you look at things that are like, let's say, progressive, and when you're out there running a chainsaw, like you are the reason behind progress for improving habitat. Yep. And that will have quality hunts, but but the the quality or or let's say. Killing a deer isn't, let's say, progressive. It, it it stops and ends right there. Like, let's say, the life of that animal. Yeah. You just took it. And then most of us, it's on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. But like here, it's like it's like you 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 move on, and you go to create better habitat, or or you know continue to manage it, or improve it, or reset that quality habitat, whatever you're doing. But but you can always go back and be like, hey, I did that. I changed that. Like, yeah. I was running, I literally cut that tree, or I literally burnt that 25-acre unit last year, now look at that. But, like, sure, you can go to a tree stand and recall those memories, um, and, and, and but, you you know, like, that, that memory kind of, like, stopped and ended there as you pulled the trigger or, you know, let the arrow fly. It's just not it's like you personally too. Continuum. Unless there was somebody else with you when you shot yeah. that deer, and you're going to hang that shoulder mount or that European mount on the wall, and you may walk by it and say, oh, "That was really cool. I remember that yeah. morning, and the That's the sun looked like this, and the grass looked like this, and whatever it did this." And then, that's it. It's you and your cameraman, or you and your kid, which is great. I'm not no, taking yeah, anything yeah, yeah. about totally. that. Totally. But if you go in and you cut in, let's just say an old field, and you're like, it was all overgrazed fescue but there was natives wanting to come through we removed the cows or we just kind of changed some stuff up and we restored it we we removed the invasives we removed the non-natives now look at it and anybody who goes by that can probably appreciate that and for years to come they're going to appreciate that and see that and be like man that looks good i remember when that was lip high fescue i remember that when when nobody touched it, like when yeah. nobody was managing that farm, and and I thought it looked bucky then. Now I'm looking at it like, holy cow! But people are, are currently present, like they are managing, manipulating, and changing it. And isn't that yeah. funny though, too? How like, you know, some places that are just left alone, a field that grows up, you're like, oh gosh, look how good that looks. Yeah. You and I would probably pick it apart, and be like, well, that's just honey locust and. Hedge yep. apple and whatever yep. it 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 looks like it would have it a composition a, that would hold deer right better than it did <laughs> when it was overgrazed yeah. non-native cool season grass but but we could also go or show an example and say hey this this old field has now been managed with yeah. prescribed fire herbicides and now has a very well-rounded composition of early successional plant communities it looks Bucky, way, way better, yeah. But what's it comprised of? And someone did that. Like someone was actively doing that. It wasn't just time changing things in an old pasture. It wasn't just neglect. It was like someone's been working hard there. Yeah, yeah. And that's cool. And that's cool for, to see. for sure. And 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 I think uh, I'll, I'll flip that from what you just said about how you know you can go by and appreciate that, and um, at the same time. <laughs> Sometimes the land can, because you're making it sound like, you know, if you walk away, it may, may uh, Sometimes look it does not get better with age. It does not. Sometimes but it does some not. other times, not to mean any names, because I don't have a name in mind, but land would be managed much better if they would just let, <laughs> if they would just get out of the way. Oh, sure. And and sometimes, you know, by manipulation, you can you can do certain things that are detrimental to the landscape, which we see, goes against. We see against. that all the time. We see and that. so, you know, I was thinking about that yesterday when Chad and I were cutting in that, that west-facing slope, that Glady Ridge. And, you know, I don't rem- – you know, on this on this Glady Ridge, we, we've ID'd several plants that we haven't seen many other places. Baldwin's Milk Vine, mm-hmm. uh, Cylindrical Blazing Star. Of course, we have Rough Blazing Star, which isn't that uncommon. But we have Ozark Coneflower, which is a yellow mm-hmm. coneflower that's not that uh it's not in a lot of places in the country um it wasn't just on that slope but cardinal flower well, no no not cardinal scarlet flowers. indian paintbrush yeah. yeah we've got scarlet no, indian paintbrush 
another red one. That was oh, Royal Catch Fly. Yes, that's not too fly. far away. Yep. Uh, that's on another ridge. But you know, we have some some plants that are that are not. You could say some of them are rare, um, and you know, you can look at this. R- rare is on a spectrum. Yeah, it, it, rare for the area, and some of them, in in a couple of them, are yeah, pretty limited across mm-hmm. the country. Um, but you can look at this at this slope and be like, okay, there's a big wolfy tree, or there's a bigger oak, and then a whole lot of stuff that's 10, 15 foot tall. That who knows how old it is. It's of course slow growing on the west facing slope. That's dry and arid, but it's like at one point this whole slope right here was was open with dotted trees and lots of grass and wildflowers. It's like this the work that Chad and I are doing right now. As soon as we cut it and we get some burns across it, that's something that it's going to take a lot of years to get back to the what we're removing it from right now. It's not that productive. It's getting encroached by eastern red cedar like crazy. But as soon as we cut it and start burning it, that's something that for the rest of my life, it'll be there. Well, and here's here's the the great thing about it, and this is not the case with every type of uh, management or, or thing that you're doing, but how long did it take of neglect to get to this degradated site that is now being restored. It took, you know, say 30 years uh, of, and of still not got doing some pretty productive areas. Yeah, 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 certainly. But like it, it's, it's, it hasn't been maintained as that landscape for, for many, many years. Yeah. But in let's say 10 hours of two people running saws, it's going to be changed for a long time. Yeah. For probably it, the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's like, how, how awesome is that to go, you know, have a site that was just neglected, abused, abandoned, um, disregarded, whatever you want to say, just not at its prime in a functional um, landscape. Mm. Ten hours worth of work, bam, hey, we've got something that's going to respond awesome to prescribed fire when it gets burned this spring, and it will revitalize that area. And yeah. it's not just it, it's not just two from, from the – the wildlife aspect, and I know people aren't familiar with this site, but it's like the root systems that are then going to take place. This this glade sits right above a a, a big creek, like a pretty big watershed. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, hey, you're impacting that watershed now too by literally cutting trees. Yeah. People are like, oh, it's an opening. We should plant trees to protect the watershed. Yeah, I mean, no, 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 it's, no, no, it's no. not that far <laughs> from you. When you think about it, you go, I'll just name it Bryant Creek. Yeah, Bryant Creek watershed. To Norfolk, well, yep. it actually goes into the Norfolk Creek, which is at the very top of the Norfolk Lake, which goes to the White River. White River runs down. I forget black what, what hits the black or the black yep. hits it. And it also hits uh, the Arkansas River and, bam, right in the Mississippi. So it's not that far. I mean, right. it's, it's one creek to the river, 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 Mississippi. And, and most sm- of us are like that. It's a, Oh, yeah. Yeah, most people can, can identify that, too. we don't think that like that. Like, no. I could throw a whole bunch of crude oil in that creek right there, and I could cause a lot of problems for a just, long ways down the system. Just s- simple erosion that, that could um, – or, or just the water just sheeting off that site. Because yeah. if there – let's just say this. If there was just continual growth of trees and trees and trees, the grass composition would be gone, and then you're left with just rock. And yeah. so it's flying down that slope and right into the Dagon Creek. Yeah, I cut spots yesterday <coughs> where it was just there was no vegetation growing or even had been growing. It was cedars and it was just shell rock. Just yeah, I was just sliding all over the place. It was almost like I should have wore I should have wore my baseball cleats down there. <laughs> Haven't got those out since <coughs> a long time, but five I, years ago. So it's, that's <coughs> the kind of stuff, though. Again, where where you can go back and say. What I just did this afternoon is it is a progression of improvement <coughs> that I can always lean back to and draw back to. Yeah. Those cedar skeletons are going to be there for a while to remind uh, you. Yeah. Uh, let's say that's, that's the, the trophy or the cedar stumps that you're going to walk past. But years and years down the road when those rare plant communities are still present and still blooming um, or still reseeding themselves and yeah. growing, whatever, that's so here's it. a question for you. You know, it's it's December. It's early, I guess, m- mid December now, um, which is just insane that we got from. Yeah. Feels like we just put consulting season behind <coughs> us, We're getting ready to leave in two weeks. For oil more. changes and new tight. No, yeah, I got an oil change <laughs> scheduled to go yeah. this week. So, um, I you know so 
there's many mindsets and many brains that are switching out of deer season to management season. And so here's my challenge to you guys. We just talked about, we just talked about all the the changes and things that can be long term, long term management where you do it and it's going to be that way and more productive five years from now than it was before you ever did anything. Yeah, like you said pre-show, we're talking conservation, preservation, and so we're going to actively manage our farm. And so we're talking about, and and I think a lot of our clients would say this that. A lot of the work and practices that we're trying to get them to do and, and advise them to do is long-term commitments where, just so you know, when you run that chainsaw, you run that dozer, or you run that uh, that fire break, this is something that isn't just wipe the slate back and say, whoopsie, I didn't want to do that. Like, we're, if when we do this, you're going to see how much wildlife use it. But if there's something that's like, ooh, I don't like this, sorry. We're gonna have to do something else, but we we can't put that tree back on. That tree don't that tree don't got st- stood back up. Like, no, we can't just like that. glue it back together. Now, so, but that's a great thing because it's long term, where we're gonna be implementing it, whether it's edge feathering, young forest, um, temporary forest openings, old field management, prairie restoration, all that stuff. Matt, how quickly if I, I'm seeing. Frankly, I'm seeing too many posts focused on this, and I'll say what this is, versus what we just talked about. I'm seeing a lot of people headed out now. Deer season's over. Time to start trapping, which trapping is fun. It can be recreational, family time. But how long is that work going to be felt? Biologically speaking, science talks so much about temporary voids, and, and you know, we know that. Like that, that's, that's a, it could be a two, could two, be two weeks or it could be a yeah, month. Yeah. Or, or, or it could be, you know, as, as a lot of these predators, their, their mating seasons are late January, February, March timeframes. You're gonna have a resh- a reshuffle, but come springtime when it begins to matter again for the game species that a lot of people are doing the trapping for, it's like, God, they reshuffled. Yeah. You don't, you don't have you to do anything. You, you dabbled. Void. You dabbled. And, and. I know we talked about it, and we, there's podcasts to, to, to talk in long detail about the time consumption of, of you know, running trap lines and this and that. And we're not against trapping, period. I love it as a recreational deal. I'm but it's against like, don't, it. don't, I'm against it when it takes, when it, when it is attempting to take the place of sound habitat management yeah. principles for the, for the purpose of improving a property. If, if you haven't ran a chainsaw yet, don't pick up the traps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And some we, of you, you guys. Need to, you need to put like a mouse trap on the traps to like smack the hand. But yeah. Go pick up the chainsaw. Not yet. Chainsaw. <laughs> Get it. You yeah. got to. It's a point system. You have to run a chainsaw for three hours before you can put out three traps. I, I know that. I know that we've talked about this though too. Uh, oh, a lot. But when, I don't. I don't know why. We're so afraid of change when when most people can realize they're listening to the podcast, they realize and, and they take note that the habitat, generally speaking, is pretty crummy, right? They, they're so, afraid of change, but they want change in their hunting. Y- yeah, right, right. But what? but but it's like why? And and you want drastic change, like we want you know mature deer. We want hundred and fifty sixty terrible. inch deer running around like crazy all the time. It's like. You want that? You got to do some drastic changes, and you're not going to do drastic changes to a property by with a trap, by, yeah, w- with a trap or a scrape limb or a food plot. Like it's going to take work, and it's going to take or a non-native you, plant. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or or it's going to take you to realize that I have to accept change going into this before I can begin to do it. Yeah. Like it's not going to look the same. Like no. we, you don't want it to either. I've gotten pictures from a, a client. So they're probably two, two years ago, October, um, and so he was no, just a year ago in October, a year ago in October. What state? Virginia. So like southwest okay. of Virginia, going through a large um, timber operation right now, and part of the property, I would say. 70% of 340-some acres used to be long time ago. Um, pasture or ag fields, and now it's grown up in Virginia pine. Um, mm. Yeah. Beautiful just, tree. I just 
crumb of crumbs, right? <laughs> so, but anyhow, in it's that... It's kind of like that, a blackjack to me, like... Oh, like, it's a blackjack of the pines, right? Yeah, yeah, Family. yeah. Kind so, of gnarly. Yeah, gnarly. Just it's it's a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, essentially. It's cousin Eddie. <laughs> yeah, always so, there. <laughs> man, it just doesn't go away. <laughs> so he's got he's got a lar- uh, a big portion of the property of that, but in his area, he's got mills that will take that, both basically debark it, chip it, take it to paper mills. But then he also has got uh, other log value trees on the property. So he's going yeah. through a, a dramatic change on this property. Yeah. Go, I mean, if you've got, let's just say, what's, what percentage is, I don't know, 12 to 15% of that property. Yeah, it's a bit more than that. 20% of the property, let's say, is going to be wide open. I mean, we're we're just taking it back to just openings. They're just getting oh. all that stuff gone. It's just gone so out of how, there. How, if it was, how, how old was the growth of the Virginia Pines? I would have estimated... 30 years. Oh, okay. So some decent sized trees oh, for yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not, not all like th- the scraggy little, like, we'll make fence posts yeah, out of that or no. whatever. No, or not, not all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I mean, and I don't remember how many how many tons they're estimating, but I mean, they're, we're talking loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads. So something with, place. in a scale of wildlife value, very low <laughs> to financial Nothing. value. Oh, yeah. You know, it's... Most people would probably say, and that's about finding the market. Is uh, most people would be like, I'm not logging that. That's not. Well, that's worth nothing to me. So he, somebody's got to pay to doze it all up or cut it all up. Yeah. And so, so 19 percent of the property. Oh wow! It's going to be oh, like like that. Snap name, of the finger name, overnight. Name a property that's got 19 percent in food plots. Yeah. I'll wait. <laughs> right, right, and and yes, yeah, some of these are going to be. Um, drastically changed and, and just kept in early successional I want to say something, too. If, if, if you guys can name a property that has 19% of the property in food plots, please hire, because I would love to manage that <laughs> farm like with it. that budget. Yeah, yeah. That is a healthy budget. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I bet I, just, I could make that money back, too. Yeah. I I don't... Uh, it, 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 it's just that guy... Is at a time and a place in his life where he says, "I got the property. I want to. I want to see it improved. I want to go through the process." But he had, you know, as we're in the field, when you realize like this five-acre chunk of just the same here will be. It's like wiping the slate clean. It's just gone out of here. And there's five more of them across the property. That's so it's crazy. Like, you have to be on board with it, right? He made a conscious decision that day that to to move forward there with that process. There is no turning back. <laughs> no, and he sent me some videos, and it's like, oh man! <laughs> I mean, I I know what to expect. Seen it done before in in that area, but it always is like, wow, that's open. Like yeah. we just opened that thing, but guess what's going to come back? A lot of early successional plant communities. He's going to be dealing with a lot of volunteer pines that do come back, but yeah. we can take care of that. What kind of invasives are in that area? In that it's area, Virginia. So list, privet, list privet, all. Japanese honeysuckle. But really, on his place, not bad. Not not not, not, not no, that's much. Good. He's good. he's in Southwest. Not a very. Well, um, I like ex- that sound. Yeah, the cows, and not an extremely. Um, uh, highly densely populated area, so he's not dealing with a lot. Um, there's always stuff to to certainly gotcha. combat with, but um, a yeah. little bit of stilt grass. And, and that right there, it just like he's doing that, and it's like and that's know, that's just middle age guy. Pine. Even even us, like you know, I'm 33, you're 28, right? No. Um, for the rest of our life, if we live plus 70, we could go to that same site and see the result of that work that's laid out. Now, it may be 30-foot-tall trees again, but it's going to look different than the surrounding area. Yeah. and, and But it's when not going to be because he's going to continue managing. Yeah, it. absolutely. And and when you look at that that area, the surrounding area, you're not going to find a place that, that one of those openings will yeah. will have something similar in that habitat in that yeah. in that general region that would influence deer movement like what he did and that's where we go back to say that's how crummy the the habitat is in in most places right yeah it's terrible across the country and, i mean and and so he's going to do something that's going to be so powerful and impactful 
Um, but it took a drastic change to make that happen. Yeah, and it's I not- think uh, that kind of segues into last week's podcast and our follow-up questions and yeah. answering those is um, the, the comment, like, when we talked about sanctuary, defining sanctuary as a large area that we just don't go into, we don't intrude, it's just set aside to not disturb. Yep. It's like hang the sign that says do not disturb. And I think QDMA, uh, that was incorrect. Let me back up. NDA. NDA, National Deer Alliance, which is now the new name of the merging of yes. National Deer Association. No, National Deer Alliance, Alliance. Yes. and Quality Deer Management Association have merged, and now it's called NDA. Yep. Former QDMA had signs that would be deer do not disturb sanctuary, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so sanctuary to me, like as we define, won't spend it's a lot of time on it. Absence of it's just of absence of, of pressure. Okay, bedding thickets is a result of hard work of creating a thicket that is defined bedding, and it yep. could only be a half acre, an acre. But generally, one to three is what we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. While a sanctuary, you could go to some farms, and they're like, oh, this is a sanctuary. And it's 150 acres. Yeah. And that that, that baffles me because yeah. it's like you're you're paying taxes. You're paying – you bought that to just say, nope, not going in there. Yeah. What a waste. And so here we are going, okay, well, let's compare what this client you're just talking about. Yep. And he's – Doing this, so he's going to have early successional. He's going to have some young forest come up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to have this regeneration start as soon as it happens. It's, yep. it's starting again. I mean, the sun is sitting as right now, the, catching sun, as and as the seeds are getting up. Woo. Seeds are already feeling it uh, that are in the soil, and it's just going to be a flush of new growth. Now, compare you you you, def, you describe the neighborhood. No neighbor, direct neighbor, or just down the block, has what he has. Now, when we look at sanctuary, this is what kind of you and I talked pre-show was, how many times do we hear the term sanctuary, and it's a, maybe 20 acres to 100 acres or 200 acres, where you just don't go into it. Now compare it to your neighborhood. How many other neighbors have exactly that? Because what? they're a farmer or they're an absentee or whatever the case, they probably have the same thing. They just don't hang a sign, or they just don't call it a sanctuary. Well, I think that, and, and I challenge people to, to think about that for a second, because a lot, of, a lot of people are like, "What do you mean they couldn't no follow my twang and they got <laughs> lost?" Well, no, they they just they think no one else has got a sanctuary like me. Yeah, or yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's it's not a sanctuary to that landowner. It's just an area where they don't yeah. go into. They don't just spend time sh- regularly. You know, maintaining the property. Maybe it's maybe it's just the backside of a slope or a mountain or a steep ridge, whatever. Well, isn't that the exact same thing as this thirty-acre area that you don't go into? You think you think about all yep. the hills and hollers from from Pennsylvania all the way down to Georgia and the Appalachians. How many just slopes and everything? Like there's sanctuaries all through that. Yet it gets hunted every single year, and there's crazy amounts of of, of deer hunting pressure through that region yet there's sanctuaries all through it too yeah and so you just by you defining defining it it, yeah sanctuary doesn't mean deer are gonna use it well and and then two it doesn't mean that you've done anything different than what other people in the neighborhood are doing too just because you're not going into yours doesn't mean that other people aren't going into their property as well name of the game Whenever, you know, for us, name of the game is create a healthier ecosystem. Because you create a healthier ecosystem probably means that you're going to have a healthier farm and a more diverse farm than your neighbors. But if they're doing exactly what you're doing, great. You're both on board and you're going to you're both going to benefit more. But when you look at it from the standpoint of managing, trying to maximize it, make it better than the neighbors. Yeah, and if you're you just doing what the neighbors are doing, you're just calling it a sanctuary and they're not, the deer don't care. There's no difference. There's so having no defined difference. bedding, bedding thickets, temporary forest openings, edge feather, any way you can create what your neighbors don't have, any way you can create a healthier ecos- ecosystem, a more diverse ecosystem, everybody wins so, except your neighbor. Yeah. And, and so, even he still wins because probably healthier deer. Yeah. So going then into 
how to manage that. There was questions that came through about prescribed fire in the intervals of getting in there, or do you use it or do you not? Feel like you're you're being detrimental to to your cutting. what you create it, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's like, yeah, let's go in, let's cut, and then let's wait, and then let's burn it. And it's like, whoa, whoa we waited for we waited to get that. Yeah. <laughs> now you want to burn it? What, yeah. what guys? Come well, on, there's what, a disconnect. The purpose here. was growth, but then we just burned it all down. Yeah, absolutely, we did. Because yep. guess what? It's coming right back. It's coming right back, and it's more nutritious than that yep. five foot tall stuff that's it's already getting, getting out, out of reach. Out of reach. So it's fire new. is important in most, you know, historical sites. We're trying to implement natural cycles, natural disturbances by using prescribed fire, and. Um, so let's say you have a 20 acre lot and you've got two bedding thickets in it and you're thinking, why would I burn that? Because it feels like it's, it's burning up the vegetation that's grown back in that, uh, in those temporary forest openings or those bedding thickets. And doesn't that burn up the treetops that I wanted to drop to provide that immediate cover? And that's where a diversity of cutting creates situations where you don't burn up all of your you cover. always you always have some structure yep for deer to utilize for for vegetation to grow up and among and, yep. and you're never it's not like all the trees are once you've cut one of these in properly all the trees are laying dead flat on the ground forever and ever yeah that's not it that's not that's not the that's not <coughs> the um, the way it's designed so if you take if you just take a one acre area and you cut every tree flush cut it and you left it alone no fire 10 years later what is going to come back you're going to see the the area around that one acre being tall mature trees while you're going to also see 10 foot tall saplings growing up thick as the hair on a dog's back yep. and you're going to say yee that the, the the next step to manage that is not fun because it's almost out of the reach of a fire controlling it. There's not enough vegetation or leaf litter below to carry a fire, and you're going, "Oh, that really that Man, that I just that was cut a, this ten years ago. I did I cut this again? Yeah, yeah. That's why this tulip is, poplars are this royal is, pain. Yeah, this is maintenance or or sweet gums, but this yeah. this is maintenance. It is fire. Fire is the maintenance tool to keep it. Or and, tree have <laughs> Yeah, you have to. You have to. The work that you do, you have to keep in a in a constant state of, um, oh gosh, let's say control. Yeah, control to where it is always applicable to the goal of that area or those yep. acres. And so, again, in in a growing season, how many times have we seen this, or clients have talked about it? Is I cut, I so I started with with just timber. I I cut one of these in, and within a year, one growing season. They're seeing the success. Two or three years worth of growth, burning it. Well, now it's like we kind of went back to ground zero. But we got to remember what happened after year one. After year one, they had success. They're going to get green up. They're going to get br- brambles back. They're going to get saplings back. You're going to get some grass component back. You're going to get a diversity of forbs right back there. I yep. promise you. Yep. It's going to happen in that yep. one year, that one growing season. So you're not removing anything. You're actually improving it because, hey, guess what? When a fawn gets dropped in there, it's spring green up. And they're going to have cover, and then yep. they're going to have food that's young and tender at, within reach. And at the same time, that young tender vegetation uh, is going to attract, and, and plus the fire is going to increase earlier blooming. Yeah, um, sun's going to warm that so soil there's going to be more insects. Yeah, and so there's better bugging habitat for for turkeys Tur- and quail. Uh, Grouse. The, the the list is endless, and and of all the benefits, but you have to go in there and maintain it to ki- to keep that same consistent vegetation type. Yeah. Don't let it grow away from you. The other now, go ahead, and then you you transition that. Did you mention hinge cuts in that fire? So hinge cutting. That's why it's important to have a few hinge cuts mixed in because they don't burn up in fire. And if there's a fire hot enough to burn up the hinge cuts. We've messed up. Probably burned um, a little hot. <laughs> yeah, you burned it too hot, and we're we're now more worried about the trees surrounding that yeah. area than the than the hinge cut trees in the bedding thicket. But that's why having a few hinge cuts mixed in is important. We always talk about the rule of thirds. We're gonna hinge cut a third. We're gonna flush cut a third. We're gonna flush cut another third, but treat it with herbicide so that tree and root system is dead. Um, 
and those hinge cuts are going to survive multiple fires. That way, you still have that vegetation, that woody structure to increase and uh, and improve the bedding area, rather than just a few treetops scattered through the woods. Which is our next question that we got was yes. in regards to timber cutting in from large scale. So we're talking about a, a logging operation where it may be a 10-acre woodlot, it may be a 200-acre woodlot um, that got cut and how let, let's that, determine what that cut was like how, how it was let's cut. just say you know it, it was 15 a, inches and up it was an 18 inch okay. dbh diamond at breast height four and a half feet uh and to, to 24 inch oak harvest okay um and so they're Selective going around harvest. they're just going to select these certain ones um these certain trees these certain and it's oak species mm-hmm. or walnuts is what yep. they're going after and they're leaving everything else um, and by doing so, there's going to be a lot of treetops on the ground. Um, there's going to be a lot very of... Very randomized and very spread random. across this. How, and how big is this area? I will say it's 100 acres. Okay, 100 acre unit. And and then at the same time, you've got all those treetops, you've got all those skitter trails, and then at the same time, you know, if you've ever... Let's say they're not using a feller buncher, mm-hmm. and they're running chainsaw. Mm-hmm. They're doing it the good old back-breaking way. Yep. And... So there's a lot of trees that have fallen over on young understory trees. Yeah. And so yep. you just got kind of a, a randomized mess. Yep. And they're like, okay, I feel like the question was, I feel like that's pretty good bedding. How do I define bedding in a 100-acre woodlot? I feel like I've flipped it. I've that's gone been from cut like that. where yeah. do I define the bedding in this area of closed canopy hardwoods to where do I define the bedding in this area of timbered hardwoods mm-hmm. and it's a great question the first year or two you might not be able to define it that well because those trees that fell they had leaves on them there's treetops scattered around and that's just that's just the luck of the draw that's it, 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 I, 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 unless unless and that depends too and this is why everything is so situationally based depends yeah. on the composition of how many 18 to 24 inch yeah. dph trees you have in that but let's just say it's generally randomized throughout the property. You have some pockets that are a little bit denser than others, right? But the other thing is, it would be a little a little bit bedding uh, uncertainty if you don't go and do other things. But most woodlots also still have a lot of mid-story canopy trees, other species that are not marketable timber that then you could go back into that 100-acre woodlot, follow up that harvest, and create some areas that are larger, that have more open canopy by going and cutting yourself manually the less desirable trees and begin to implement more defined areas that are broader. Let's say, you know, when you go and you cut a select cut like that you described, most times you're not going to have half acre to two acre openings. There's going to be a lot of other mixed trees in there. Um, So generally speaking... You're not going to have that much focused sunlight in larger areas. But if you wanted to after a harvest, you go in and you continue to cut and remove the weed trees or the trees that were damaged within the harvest. Cut those down um, and address the mid-story trees to make a larger, more defined area. Yeah. Once everything, you know, three years post-harvest, those trees um, that were growing in and around the oaks that were then cut probably crown wise have filled in a large oh, yeah. portion of those gaps now you've got uh, these other acres that you had gone in three years prior after the harvest and and defined as your bedding units and then you can burn those as needed but that's how you, i would address those you know that question of saying well i've got 100 acres it's been select cut kind of random well i still want to implement these that's still the long-term goal just just go back in and address more. Yeah. Like don't don't just stop and that's because getting, it's going to continue to grow. That timber harvest is getting us one step closer to what I would like to say is my ideal scenario where <coughs> yeah. I don't want, you know, in now if it's north slope or east slope, it's like supposed to be a back slope forest or it's supposed to the site index tells us that historically this was a forest, then I won't shoot for that. But let's just say we're here in the Ozarks. It's we're on a plateau. My family farm. <coughs> I want an acre 
half an acre bedding thicket, young forest, surrounded by a woodland. So yeah. there's vegetation and young saplings and, and shrubs and forbs and grasses growing throughout the timber where you may walk into it and say, yee, this is a big bedding area. Well, this, comparatively yeah, they could speaking, bed anywhere, but during the hunting season when the thickest cover is what they want, they still use my bedding thickets well, the and, same way. And two... When you have a woodland that loses its trees, the understory becomes that much more open too. It really depends on you know when you are, when you're in there that, of how thick and a woodland yeah. during the summer looks really thick. You yeah. go back, not that it's not thick, not that it doesn't have benefit, but it's just not as thick as an area that's pretty much eighty to hundred percent sunlight. They're yeah. just very different species yeah. that are going to grow and then look. I can and show hold you the, cover. The, the the west facing slope that. Chad, we had logging crew go through. Chad TSI did. Yeah, like it looks amazing during the yeah. summer, but during the fall, it's like they'll probably bed there. But There's, if they have an yeah. option to bed somewhere thicker, they're going to choose that option. So. And the other aspect that wasn't mentioned when you're describing that, like, hey, you know, I'd like to have a woodland that's got this component mixed in, but the thicket in within that surrounded by the woodland, that thicket, the location of the thicket. We're talking a lot about like how to create them and, you know, comparing them to a sanctuary. But that thicket, the placement of that thicket is ex- incredibly important because if you're in an area of topography, you're going to want to put that in distinct areas where deer are probably already bedding, where they already have some um, benefit to bedding on this slope or this point yep. or this this bench because of um, the way thermals are going to work in that, in and around that area, or it has this um, view, or or the the leeward side, of whatever, the wind moves through here. This is a preferential spot to bed. That's where the bedding thicket's going to go. So not only is the cover right, um, but the location is right for these thickets too. In and among areas that may have already been addressed timber-wise, you got to look at that location. Um, and that that's super important because most times they're probably like, let, let's say if you if you decide to put a bedding thicket adjacent to um where your grandpa feeds cows at every every day and it's 50 yards away it's probably not going to be the most secure place but the cover could be fantastic it could, could be look, better than look, the neighborhood yeah. so they're still bed there but, but not you, to the degree yeah. that they would if it was in the middle of the timber unit in the so. right location yeah yeah which is more important like I guess that would be a would you rather, and and it's kind of like, would you rather have a really secure bedding thicket, or I shouldn't say secure, a really great bedding thicket. I mean, there's a great diversity, great cut diversity. Deer can meander through the whole thing, but in a bad area, meaning it's right next to the, it's right next to the main drive into the cabin, Mm -hmm. or would you rather have a, yeah, mediocre kind of a, a windstorm knocked a few trees down and it's over in a, in a great spot <laughs> i'd rather have the great bedding thicket and uh, be like well uh, i'll figure out a way to hunt it i know deer are going to be in there at some point i, I maybe uh, i go into my my cabin middle of the day and i try not to go in first thing in the morning or whatever it may i be. would i would choose that option as well because of i if it if it's what I'm envisioning, right? Then there's a ton of food, right? Yeah. On top on top of everything else. But a couple of trees getting knocked down and they're only bedding against a treetop. Yeah, quality I think quality cover is more important than security cuz I think you can it's easier to get security with quality cover than it is to get yeah. quality cover, no quality security without quality cover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that, that, that's that's definitely true. To, and to, to me, that is the exact reason why I'm having the conversation because a lot of times people have gone into the thought process of, well, I'll just make my sanctuary bigger. I'll give them more room. I'll, I'll widen the depth of this sanctuary because I'm in control of the security. Well, no, no, no. You're in control of the security and the cover if you pick up the chainsaw. If you don't pick up the chainsaw, the only thing that you have as working toward your advantage is you not going in there. Yeah. But you have to pick up the chainsaw, and then you can afford to have areas that are smaller but still offer the same security because the cover is so much more improved. Yeah. You can get closer to it. So December, January, that's the month to run a chainsaw. February is the month to trap. 
And I say that with a grin on my face because you can't trap in February in a lot of states. <laughs> Not that we're against trapping. Yeah. I'm just against you wasting your time doing it. Yeah. Uh, that, that's when the that's when the drip torch gets picked back up and you're starting to yeah. burn all the stuff that you've been cutting and the cut stuff you cut last year and the year before. It just yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't end. It's it's so cyclical and I love that aspect of it because guess what? Is cyclical but does have an end date. Yeah. Hunting season. Yep. There's a start date and an end date. Habitat management is year-round, every single month, mm. every single day. If you chose chose it to be, you could find something to do, and that's personally why I don't, I don't think I like it's a coincidence that, that a lot of our clients reach out in the middle of hunting season and say, how I'm tagged out or I filled my buck tag, and now what do I do? Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, there's... There's actually some really awesome I got stuff you can do during great, hunting season. Great email from from a gentleman in um, very northern Pennsylvania yesterday. He had sprayed out 30 acres of fescue pasture, and they had killed some good bucks for their area and were tickled um, with the success and the growth that they had seen come back in that old field unit, goldenrod, five, six foot tall, uh, with a bunch of other things. But I was like... Hey, just just, and he had done a logging operation too, oh, so man. he's he's well on his way. He's he's getting it done, but now if he could just transplant to a state that allows prescribed fire, but yeah, yeah. So so we're 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 working on lightly disking some of those areas, yeah. the old Increase field areas, to, yep, to maintain some promote d- diversity. Yep. I'm kidding. Oh, did, what'd you I say? said promote Sarita. Oh, no, I don't. Luckily, I, I've he not doesn't seen have it. much in that no. very good. Um, so he. But I was like, you know, just just real quick, like, what was your experience with the with the old field? Is this a client? Mm-hmm. I haven't yeah. seen pictures of this yet, have I? No, oh, came through this morning. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, and so I get kind of <coughs> honestly, it's a good problem, but there's so many pictures that you Ooh. posted on Instagram on our on our feed, client success, that I'm like, I don't, I <laughs> don't that? know that person. <laughs> I don't know the story well, of that. But some that's of them awesome. are some of them are guests. Some of them are are family and friends. But yeah, yeah. no, it, it's. I, I love getting the harvest pictures and these success pictures too of, of habitat changes. But you know, through the summer and through the fall, these thirty acres are holding the majority of the bucks on the property. And and uh, he had a logging operation that got done in September. Um, you know that probably impacted some pressure on the farm, this and that. But that cover that he's seeing now in place was done in a year. It got sprayed in April. No oh, man. And, and so just that transformation. And there's Not a even. county road that splits it oh, and a public road on the south end of it. So all that disturbance, all that um, constant, let's say, pressure, that's where the big deer are. That's where the majority of the deer are that's because great. the cover is there. Yeah. And it's like. You, cover is more important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I know someone's probably thinking, so you, you put all that cover next to the county road? Well, would you rather it be wide open? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Heck, yeah, I made that cover. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it sounds like with his timber operation, he's got cover all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and uh, he, he, had, he had already, prior to being there, had, had done, um, uh, let's say, little micro clear cuts and stuff. And he had a ton of aspen regen across the, the property. Rough grouse were in it the, the, during the site visit. So he's he's got what he needs interior. He was just really waiting and, and banking on logging operation, timber value and stuff to increase. So he, he's time stuff. Just so a man very we met well. several years ago. Yep. Two yep. two guys. Uh-huh. Okay. So yep. I remember he was a little bit hesitant on the timbering because he was afraid about all the invasives are going to come back. Yep. Yep. I'm well, glad some he of the, did. Some it. of the biggest ones up there. Um, that he would contend with that I saw is barberry, Japanese barberry, and multiflora rose. But Which he didn't have it. The barberry drives me nuts, man. I, yeah. You know, but but you you and I both know, and it wasn't bad. It was like, yeah. hey, there's a spot over there. Yeah. We'd walk 200 yards. Hey, there's another bush here. Like, spot treat them. We ought to we make a map. You know how, like, each state has their, like, this is our state flower. We ought to create, and I, I well, I've already got this patent. So we, all you we need knockoffs. We need the uh, like. We're the, gonna make a map that says toxic, this is your like state plants, invasive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to be watching out for these in this region. Uh, for sure, we do. I know what Illinois is gonna be. Gosh, well, I know, I know what Maryland's gonna be. Um, well, gosh, I don't know. There's, there's so many. Well, because it's so that, good over that, there in the east. That uh, Japanese stilt grass, it is all over. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. Anyhow. Well, guys, 
if you've got any more questions, uh, especially you know as we get kick into habitat season, if you have something you want to hear us discuss, shoot us a message at Instagram or Facebook. Just search Land and Legacy. That's the and sign. And also, uh, or info in. at yep. landandlegacy.tv. Yep. And we can help you guys um, include it in a podcast. Shoot, it may be the entire podcast. Who knows? Certainly. But we're always looking for ideas. And, uh, and, and it's honestly best if you're the one thinking about this question that's burning in your brain. There's someone else that's thinking about it, too. Yeah, or someone else yeah, that's yeah, questioned yeah. the same thing. So yeah. just send it in, and, and and if it's podcast certainly worthy, we'll we'll address it. If not, you're gonna to hear me rant on Eastern Red <laughs> Cedar more. <laughs> Please send them in. <laughs> All <laughs> right, guys, we appreciate you joining us once again. Go over and check out our other podcast this week with Mr. Will Russell. And uh, as always, appreciate you, and we'll catch you next we'll week. See you next week. Yeah.